you think you are? And I remember that they're kicking me out of this place. So I I ran. As soon as the church was wow. over, I ran out. I grabbed my kids, headed to the car, and I feel this tap on my shoulder. And I thought, here it comes. That's <laughs> over She knew things about me that I hadn't told her. There was no reason at all why she would know those things about me. It happened when she prayed for me, the very first time I ever met her. I'm Matt Price. This is Story Shaped, a podcast for people to tell how the gospel story has shaped their lives. Today you're going to get to hear from my friend Carol Shelton. I've known for many years. First time I met her, I was a new youth pastor at Christian Assembly back in 2005. Carol introduced herself to me and asked if she and her friend Vera could pray for me. It was a prayer I have never forgotten. How do you explain the power of God's Spirit at work in and through someone? What I want you to notice as Carol tells her story is how beautifully natural the supernatural can be when we receive humbly what Jesus wants to do with us. So join me in this conversation with Carol Shelton about her story-shaped life. Carol, let's go back then, since we have already begun recording. <laughs> let's go back to uh, some early years. Some early years. And, and I want to hear more <laughs> of how did Carol Shelton become the Carol Shelton that I know and love. Oh, thanks, Matt. You so, are too, you know, you, you're the best. Oh, well. Really, you know I'm your fan. <laughs> Well, I'm your fan, too. I am your fan. I have told many people, in fact, Carol, just what an encouragement you have been to me. Uh, I, I share this with people all the time, that Christian Assembly, one of the things I love about this local church is how I have been able to learn to be a pastor. This mm. church really has taught me how to pastor. Mm. And I, I'm so thankful for a community that's gracious not to expect that a young guy knows everything, um, but people who have prayed for me and encouraged me and given me books to read and <laughs> sent me cards, and you've been one of those people, mm. so I'm so grateful for My you. My privilege. Basically, we've just held a mirror up in front of you, Matt. <laughs> that's true. And we've just, the Lord has just released in you oh, what he made you, who he made you to be. Thanks. So it's fun to watch you. So, Carol, go back, where, where, where did you grow up? Okay, here's my, here's the, here, here I am in a nutshell. Okay. So, I was blessed to be uh, born into a, a heritage of Christianity, like my parents, my grandparents, my great-grandparents. My my great grandmother, I mean, they didn't allow women pastors, but she was like, whatever, lay preacher mm -hmm. or something back in the day, uh, would fill in for the pastor in a little tiny Midwestern town. <clears throat> but anyway, I, I didn't know that, but I did go to Sunday school, and I had Miss Katie, 
as my fifth, when I was five, as my teacher who was telling us about how wonderful heaven was and how much God loved us and how much Jesus loved us. And she said, you know, it, it, you just ask him into your heart and, you know, you're going to heaven. And I asked my mom, I remember this conversation, I said, Mom, you mean all I have to do is just ask Jesus into my heart? She said, shocked, but said, well, yes, honey. And I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, at five, you don't right. know much. But sure. uh, I believe that he, you know, honored that five-year-old sure. prayer. So I grew up uh, in a churched family, and church family. Uh, as time went on, uh, the the body of Christ, we, my family had moved from L.A., but um, oper- offered a lot of opportunities for leadership and, you know, youth leadership and stuff. So that was fun, you know, uh, but there was a shift, uh, I would say, in probably the early 60s, at least in the churches that we were involved in, mm-hmm. uh, that was more, um, it wasn't, it was just, they were, they weren't really Bible-believing mm-hmm. as much. They were giving a lot of space for, well, you know, you can, it doesn't have to be a virgin birth, you know, all of this stuff. Right. So it was just more of a social club, frankly. And uh, by the time I got to college at Occidental, uh, I, uh, you know, I was pretty much done. I'm not done with God, but I was just like flying out there. Was Occidental at that time still connected with, I think, the Presbyterians? Yes, the Presbyterians. So they did have a a chaplain who, uh, this wasn't a chaplain that I went on to know, Doug Gregg was an extraordinary person, but. Uh, young chaplain, God bless him, uh, who probably wasn't a believer. <laughs> <you know? laughs> right. So I Thoroughly asked him, secular I asked him questions, and, uh, but young. He was just young. Right. You know? So I'd ask him questions, and he was so eager to, what, I don't know, make me feel comfortable that it was like, really? You know, I, that, I wanted to, I think I was probably hungry for the truth, but right. anyway, um, I uh, went to a bit of college at Oxy, and then I went and sang professionally. Okay. And that was a wild ride, uh, you know, from a girl who had had a fairly sheltered childhood to traveling all over the world, including the Vietnamese War. Wow. Mm. I have war stories, Matt. Wow. (laughs) Which I will not go into. What (laughs) kind of singing, Carol? Uh, Well, you know, you, Nora... Probably anyone who's listening to that, unless they're 70 or over, would even know this name. But the um, the New Christie Minstrels, uh, they were like a big folk singing group. Okay. And then the guy who started that, Randy Sparks, spun off smaller groups. So okay. It was kind of uh, folk music, but then, you know, we started adding uh, pl- not non-acousticals. We started adding electric and all that. Mm. So, it, you know, what it, what, what it provided me was a great tour of the world, uh, and but part of the world, and also, um, you know, just that that reality of that life. Mm. So I would say during that time I had, uh, although I didn't was not a practicing Christian in any sense of the word, I had two epiphanies. One was um, I was on kind of on a, a trajectory to being a big singing star. Mm. I mean, I had an album coming out and all kinds of good stuff going on. 
or a musical comedy star, I had the skill set for it. And uh, I was singing out, you know, in Vietnam, and I had all this accolade because supply and demand. You know, there just weren't that many American girls in Vietnam at the time. And I was single, you know. But um, I, as I sang, which I really loved to do, uh, it, um, I, I projected <clears throat> five years from that point. Like, okay, is this worth it? This was the epiphany. Yeah, this is my epiphany. I thought, is this going to be worth it to stay with this for five years? To is for if that if fame is the aim, and it was like, no, mm-hmm. it's not. I also found myself the other part two of that was uh, finding myself. I would feel really successful if I had the more applause I got, the better. And especially at one point, we had another woman in our group, and I, if I could get more applause than her in my mm-hmm. solo, then sure. boy, it was a big night. And when I became aware of it, it was sort of horrifying. You know, it was like. What has happened? You know, yeah. I just felt one of those moments. It was just one of, thought, looking you, in the mirror and you know, thinking, exactly. Wow, I like, see it, some of the ugly. It was like me. it was the reality check. Right. But the cool thing was that you know the Lord, who I give total credit for everything in my life, but He allowed me to see that sure. at a young age. I didn't have to go through what some people do. You know, who had challenging lives in the in. In the uh, performing arts, not that that's that not that that's not a valid calling. By the way, I'm not saying that, but it wasn't what my calling. Mm. So anyway, came back to Oxy to finish, and that was a real disconnect because I was a woman of the world by that time. <laughs> <laughs> it just seemed young, you know. You can imagine at, at that in those days they had hours. <laughs> you had to hours. Be in, like you had to be in a oh, certain curfew. hour. Oh, curfew. Yeah. Was like, you are kidding me. Anyway, uh, I met um, my husband, Chris Shelton, who um, was direct, uh, he was a couple of years older than me because I had to make up time. And he uh, asked me to be in a show. And I was like, I deigned to be in this, this college production. So he was producing me. A, a college, <laughs> a show yeah. at the college. So I did, you know, I was in his show, and but I fell for him. Wow. You know, and I by this time I had dated, you know, uh, quite a few people, and just knew, and I thought, bullseye. That you know, wow. I just that was the guy for me. I really, I just could see it. Awesome. So uh, we. It was a whirlwind romance to the horror. We tell our four daughters this story, and like they were just shocked. <laughs> that uh, so in three weeks' time, we were talking as you know young couples fantasize when they're dating. Oh, what great kids we'd have, and what. And he said, "Well, I guess we should get married then." Wow. And I said, I looked at her. I said, "Is this a proposal?" <laughs> and we got you know we got engaged. Incredible. And our parents didn't know either of us. They all asked the same question. What does she look like? What does he look like? <laughs> Real solid question. Right, right. That's what we're concerned That's about. What we're concerned. It's, all, it's all of those things, like? right? Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so anyway, cut to uh, people. Okay, so now it was countercultural to get married. We're talking the 60s. Free love. Mm-hmm. And and we're not Christians. My mm-hmm. husband and I are not Christians. And our friends said, what? 
why are you guys doing? You know, why don't you just live together? You know, why do you, why are you getting married? <laughs> but uh, we got married, and um, you know, we we uh, I think probably people thought I was needed. We needed to get married, but it was that wasn't the case. You know, I finished school. We had a, and then we had the first of our four children. Wow. We did the traveled on the road a bit okay. and did repertory theater, and then we. Um, Came back to Eagle Rock just because my husband was going to launch his business. So, cut to baby number two. Mm. And uh, I was uh, a wonderful mother. I was, just ask me. I was the perfect mother. Ah. And I knew everything. I see. And then we had baby two. You were the expert. I knew it all. I knew it all about anything. Who can I share my knowledge with? Exactly. Step right up. (laughs) So, uh, baby number two came, and I give her all the credit, she and Jesus Christ, for leaving leaving me to the Lord Jesus Christ because I was up a creek. (laughs) She's a colicky kid. And, uh, Anyway, so uh, that just burned us both out. And meanwhile, my parents had had experience. I don't know what they call it these days, but in those days it was called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And who helped teach them about it and and learn? But uh, Catholics, because it was a big movement in the Catholic Church. Absolutely. So they had great training. They told me about their experience and... I want you to just say something uh, about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, yeah, you want to talk about it. That phrase can mean so many different things. All right. Carol, what what did, but just tell me first, though, your parents' experience, how did they describe that to you? Okay, well, they described it this way. They had been hungry to get back into a church Mm -hmm. that would teach the Bible. Don't forget, their roots were more in, uh, you know, Sort of kind of a traditional, or hearing the word, line. yeah, yeah. They wanted to hear. I see. They've I been see. going to church, but they wanted a Bible teaching church, a word, and uh, so they were already on that path. And then my dad's boss, who was had been a womanizer and an alcoholic, changed in the twinkling of an eye. Mm-hmm. And uh, my dad said, "What happened?" And he explained. He was Catholic, mm-hmm. and he explained, you know, what had happened to him that he. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit is uh, for the training my parents had. It's uh, for them, um, now they understood it to be, they had the Holy Spirit in them. Uh, but, and they would explain it like, it's like the pilot light is on. And then, you know, when you have that acknowledgement of that, of the Holy Spirit is the another aspect of God, yes. the eternity, of a person that it's like that's re- released, that's fully released right. in you. And um, so they had given me some books to read, and I visited them with my colicky daughter, <laughs> driving me crazy. And I just, it just all was such so touching to me. Wow. And I think the thing that really got me. Most of all, in the reading I was doing, was that Jesus takes us just as we are. Mm. By this time, I'd put, I'd had added some habits to my life. I was smoking, wasn't drinking a lot, but you know, I'd, but in my head, I thought, 
oh, if I could just give up smoking, mm-hmm. oh, if I could just give up, then I can go to church again. Because I, I no, that desire was burning in me. And here I read a little thing. I was like, what? Jesus takes us just as we are. That was just a shocking truth. So I, I uh, made a prayer myself and I, uh, while I was visiting my folks, and I had all these questions. I said, okay, God, forget about I'm not even with, with Jesus yet. Right. God, if you're real, will you please show me? And while you're at it, could you please uh, teach me about discernment? Because I thought, people were saying, well, the Lord told me this, the Lord told me that. And I thought, well, that's politically dicey mm. that you know god told you to do something i see you yeah know? how so, can you argue so in with short, that? right so in short discernment and then i said and if this is true do not please just don't ask me to proselytize don't mm. ask me to mm-hmm. tell mm-hmm. anybody about this <laughs> so on my girlhood bed you know i've made this prayer and i had a vision i had a vision it looked like t.s Eliot's wasteland mm. And it was cold and dark and uh, kind of burnt out like World War I movie. You pan across the, uh, the scene and now it's getting a little warmer and there's foliage and, and light and uh, trees are growing. And then there's this beautiful river, kind of a meandering river. And to the left of the screen is uh, a high... Um, kind of a um, sandstone, like the big mesa top mountains. And coming down from that mountain was a golden ladder, like a rope ladder. And all of this is kind of happening in the twinkling of an eye. It was like um, watching a movie on your eyelids. The difference being, you know, if I said, okay, Matt, think about a beautiful oak tree. You could imagine that. This is like me watching this story unfold in my eyes. I could have opened my eyes any time. I could have. I wasn't in a trance, you know. But I just watched the story, and I thought, my prayers being answered. There's the golden ladder. That golden ladder's for me. I just rolled gently off that bed and got on my knees and asked and I told God I'm I'm sorry I you know I I you know all of this is please forgive me I don't understand much of this but I believe you're true it's true I believe the Bible is true I believe the whole thing I'm taking the whole thing as truth Wow and uh, I just made that statement like I'm choosing to believe it and Boom, it was true. I knew it was true. And I just said, I don't know a lot about Jesus, but <laughs> please teach me. Right. So I didn't tell my parents anything. I'm, you know, I'm 28 years old, right? Yeah. Visiting. And uh, I thought, before I left, I thought, I've got to tell them that I'm, but, you know, that I've received. But immediately, I was filled with the joy of the Lord, by wow. the way. I was just like, Yes, thank you. This is true, and uh, 
So I told my parents, and my mom said, Oh, well, we need to, we, we, honey, we should pray for you. And this is a family that prayed at Thanksgiving. I mean, godly people, but, you know, we weren't a praying family. And so my parents were there. My mom put her hand on my, my, my shoulders or head or something, and she just sweetly asked Jesus to fill me with his spirit, to, to bless me, and they acknowledged my salvation and heal me. And immediately I was filled with warmth. And this is my mom, the same hands that, you know, as a kid had comforted sure. me. And I'm feeling, boom, you know, I just felt full of warmth. And I had nothing, nothing, no experience in my life to compare it with. Not like warmth of the comfort of a, a mom's hand. No, but, more but it's like just like... A Power. Power. From it was like it was just her. Her touch was just released within me. This warmth, and I had the only thing I had to compare it with was I'd read about these alpha wave experiments they were doing at UCLA. <laughs> I thought, I wonder if this is this alpha wave experiment. But that was, you know, that's where I was. And the other thing that happened was the joy of the Lord hit me. I mean, mm. just the joy. I thought. Oh my goodness, Jesus Christ has the best sense of humor. Just great. Wow. And he he continues to, you know, crack jokes all the time for me. In my head, at least in my heart. So uh, off I came back to California knowing no Christians except my grandmother. And my dad, my mom tried to cram everything into my head before I left. Right. My dad handed me a Bible and said, you know what, honey, the Lord's going to lead you. And he did. He led me right to Christian Assembly. Wow. Which was over at Avenue 22 at the time. Carol, let me ask you at that point, you came back to Los Angeles. Right. You're looking for a church to right. be a part of. And you were living in Eagle Rock. Correct. How did you find a little church on a dead end street in Lincoln Heights? Oh, that's such a great story. Well, our, we were moving out of a rented house into a house we had just bought, where we still live, by the way. And so we're moving stuff, and my neighbor, Mrs. Stone, is Bob Stone's grandma. And she's telling me how her grandson has Bible studies. And she's so proud of him. She had, didn't even know I was a Christian. She's just telling. I said, "He, well, where does where is that? Where does where does he do that?" <laughs> I got hooked up right in Eagle Rock with these Bible studies. So that's where I started. I actually went to church on the way for a little bit. Okay. Uh, and I really wanted. I love church on the way, and uh, but I wanted to go to a church in our neighborhood, and there, you know, I didn't know. Of anything, then I'd heard about, uh, you know, about sure. the crisis, but I'd heard about this. This Foursquare was going to start a new church in Eagle Rock, and right now they were over in Avenue 22. So uh, that was about six months of I see. of uh, transition in there. But when I went to Church on the Way, by the way, so I'm new in all of this stuff, and I, I see at that time, you know, it was the 70s, I see all these men who looked sane in three-piece suits with their hands lifted to heaven, singing with gusto to the Lord. And, you know, people who looked 
like, you know, they're not cuckoo heads, right? Right. <laughs> and I thought, oh, well, I guess that's what we do. So I had, I just followed. I right. just imitated. Right. And same at uh, Avenue 22, which was much smaller. And that was all the Italian Christians. I'll never forget one time when we were talking about uh, some of your memories of, of that church. Right. You shared with me one, one thing you learned from them. I'll never forget the way you said this was they, they had a relationship with the Lord and prayed with the power of the Holy Spirit that wasn't supernatural, it was very natural. Right. I have always loved that. That's right. I wonder if you could just describe that some, because I, in my experience, some some believers, they, they talk about their experiences with the Holy Spirit in such genuine, honest ways. Uh-huh. And sometimes... Uh, I hear and and maybe have even been guilty of this in my own life because it's easy to want to uh, make it spectacular. Right. And make it showier than it has to be. Yeah. And, and just as your story tells already, it, it, it has shown how personal, uh-huh. how uh-huh. tender the Lord is the way he meets us right where we are. And I wonder if you could talk about that a little bit, just that experience of not so much uh, a supernatural, but a real power of God that's very natural. Yeah, very natural. So one of my first uh, experiences, I continued reading, by the way, about uh, about different people's stories as I was growing and was reading in the Word. But um, this one time in our, in the, we were over at the other little church, but um, uh, Mark's dad, Don, said, well, does anyone here have, you know, uh, there's something you'd like to share, like a, a picture, something in the Spirit. And remember, I had that little vision thing at one point. But anyway, and I immediately, what, I had this beautiful picture of basically um, the, you know, abiding in the vine, like the flowers and fruit of the vine, abiding mm-hmm. in the vine. So, you know, I felt my heart beating. It was just a few people, too. I mean, there's maybe a hundred people. Right. I raised my hand. I'd been going there, you know, six weeks or something, you know, but I, they all, I was a member of the church. Sure. So I raised my hand, called on, and I said, you know, I just uh, see this picture of us abiding in the vine and how God just loves it when we abide in the vine. And then I sat down. And then this other woman raises her hand, right? And she's like, been there forever. She gets up and she does this whole chapter and verse <laughs> recitation. Wow. It's like, it felt like she recited the entire book of Isaiah or right, something, right. right? And I just, I just sat in my seat, sinking lower and lower. I thought, who do you think... I mean, I know this was the enemy, but at the time it didn't. I was like, who do you think you are? Mm. And there's one of the elders in the church, Art Bada. Yes. And he says, Sister, the Holy Spirit wanted me to... Just like this. It had much this kind of a same 
accent and spirit as you, Matt. He said, Sister, the Holy Spirit wanted me to tell you that what you did in there was just fine and that he's going to continue to teach you this gift that he's given you. God wow. bless you. And I was wow. blown away. Wow. What I was like, you have no idea, you know. And so that, a visual, I'm a visual person, and I, you know, a lot of times I'll see, when I'm praying, when we're praying or praying, I'll see things. I see the picture of it, basically. But the, the, for me, it's even more powerful if, when I've seen something, if later I see that same image in Scripture, or I see the promise in Scripture. And uh, that makes it, you know, that's powerful. Right. That, that really, it's not just, you know, a pipe dream or something. Sure. It's like, it boom, there it is. This you know. is the way the Yeah, Lord. this is, this is yeah. you know, like if I'm praying, somebody gives a picture for somebody or somebody will, you know, anyway. Carol, you, um, your story is one of, of placing yourself before God. Humbly saying, I'm going to believe this. Like you said a oh, while right. ago. <laughs> it's I, true. I'm, I'm going to receive <laughs> what you have for me. Yeah. And you have trusted him that when you come to him with that kind of faith, of just believing he will lead me, he will teach me, you have, you have not only come to know him more, but you've seen the Lord do wonderful things through your life. Uh, I want to ask you about that quote. Okay. Because uh, you gave me this book by Agnes Sanford, The Healing Gifts of the Spirit. It's a great book. Great book. And she has that, I mentioned earlier, she has that same humble, honest approach to life in the Spirit. And she says, uh, she says this, God is looking for you. He loves you, but he must have a voice through which to speak. And the voices of men are apt to be too vigorous and lacking in understanding. Put yourself where God can find you. Expose yourself to him, as it were, like exposing a film so that the sunlight can print a picture on it. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about ways that in your life you have, and maybe God has even invited you to this uh, over and over again, but how you have put yourself where God could find you and exposed yourself to him time and, and time again. Well, thank you. That's a beautiful passage. Well said, Agnes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, okay, so prayer has really been instrumental for me. And it's I find it better because I am so probably naturally lazy to pray in a group. <laughs> I like that two or three are gathered. So there, um, you know, famously there was a group of uh, prayers that uh, we, we prayed together for 22 years on Tuesdays uh, for church, you know, interceded for church. Somebody said to me, well, you know, what happened? I said, well, they all died and went to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
so they're still <laughs> they're, praying. They're still praying, I believe it. <laughs> anyway, uh, but there were many people that came in and out of that group. I don't mean, sure. it was not a closed group. But um, the wonderful thing about, uh, you know, either two or even two and three praying is people bring uh, their gifts from the Lord to the prayer. And it's great. And sometimes even when we're just praying for ourselves, you know, so, somebody will have an insight. So that's been really helpful. The, the promises of God, like there's a book that I love called um, Prayers That Availeth Much. And it's just the promises of God. There's nobody's take on it. It's like when you're traveling, you know, mm-hmm. when you're praying for, you know, wanting yes. a child, you know. Yes. I mean, there's a little, it's a t- little table of contents. So that's helpful. Um, I've done um, different things that, that, you know, I mean, we've talked about a lot in church over uh, little, you know, the things you're grateful for. And I sing, I've just taken up, I've done this over the years periodically, but I've just taken up uh, singing the Psalms again. I like the Jerusalem. And I'll just make up my own tune and, uh, you know, sing, sing the word. You said you like the Jerusalem. I like Jerusalem. And I do on Jerusalem because that was uh, Sam Middlebrook, who was part of our church way back in the day. Uh, it's it's a translation right from the Hebrew. Okay, right. I, I wasn't why. sure if you're meaning the translation. The yeah, Jerusalem it's a Jerusalem translation. translation. Yes, but uh, not that I speak Hebrew. But that'd be fun, wouldn't it? Right. Um, anyway. Yeah, I um, love the Jer- Jerusalem. If I remember correctly, the Jerusalem translation will, uses Yahweh. Yes. Yeah, I love So that. some of the Psalms go, Yahweh, your way is better. There's a lot of internal rhythm oh, that they pick up. Oh, got and, it. And, you know, and use. So. Beautiful. And you know something, Matt? Our, uh, my life and my family's life reflects the prayers, probably thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of prayers yes. for us, over us. And also, the other thing, too, that I think is significant about, uh, about our church is uh, when I started coming to Christian Assembly, which, which was very small at the time. Right. The, at that time, the, the, the motto was serving one another in love, and it took a lot from the Acts uh, 2.44 scripture about meeting together and breaking bread, and there was a lot of that kind of fellowship, which I know that we've kept that alive through small groups and all that. But uh, what I was very helpful to me was the intergenerational aspect of our church. Because my mom and dad and my husband's parents lived in different states. And I really wanted them to have, uh, our daughters to have the experience of grandmas and grandpas around them. Aunts and uncles and cousins, you know, to an extended family kind of opportunity and the local church became that, that kind became of family it. it really was and that you know has been really wonderful so some people you know our roots go way back and very deep you know our kids were in the nurseries together sure and, uh, and that kind of fellowship is very powerful over the years you know you just You've cried together, you know, and you have shared stories. Yelled at God together, together. right? <laughs> yelled at your kids together, right? <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> and been blessed. Watch them, you know. So, 
that's wonderful. Uh, I would say, you know, just the faithfulness of the Lord uh, at, at my age. So now, when I was a young girl, I wanted to be a singer, a teacher, and a mother. And I've gotten to do all three. How wonderful. And be a grandmother. Incredible. And shockingly, a or an ordained minister in the four square. Right. I don't mean to laugh. It just is such such a shocking. You know that would be something that hadn't been on my list. No, no. But right. it's just a delightful surprise from God. You know. Awesome. It's just a wonderful um, surprise, and it's opened a lot of doors for me. It really has to adventures beyond counting. <laughs> Well, when when we put ourselves before God with a humble faith and trust that He will do with us and with our lives what what we wouldn't even think of doing, He does that. He, yeah, I, that's that's something I find over and over again in my life to think that I started out in a tiny little town. In southeast Texas, population 12,000. Wow. And I remember I went to college at Texas A&M. Undergrad was 48,000 students, so four times wow. the population of my hometown. Wow. I felt so lost and oh, swallowed yeah. up by that place. But <laughs> as I began to trust God to make make of something, you know, take my life and lead me in places I wouldn't look to go on my own. Make me a God-made man, not a self-made man. And it's amazing where I am today, just not, not, not that it's like, look at me, but to think for where I started to the ministry that God has allowed me to be part of the church that he's allowed me to pastor (laughs) along with remarkable people like Mark Pickerel and Tom Hughes and Kathy Christopher and all the others. It's just, who would have thought? Exactly. I hear you. Tell me what you're doing today. Well, that's such an interesting question. Um, I was able to uh, have, well, today, I'm about to do my taxes. (laughs) And then my grandchildren are coming over and making cupcakes. That's what we're doing today. Taxes and grandchildren. (laughs) I think you you probably, you need something like the grandchildren to come over after you do your taxes. I know. Exactly. Yeah, so, um, you know, I don't have a job title these days. I I retired from uh, Life Pacific College, which is about to be Life Pacific University, by the way. Right. And, um, you know, I had a blast teaching there. I had such a good time. That was a good time. And we have a number of uh, faculty who go to our church from Life. Great people. Mm Mm-hmm. I just had a hoot. I really had a great time. They just, they put up with me because they were theologians for the most part, right? And I was the fine arts woman. <laughs> but they were so precious. 
And uh, so that was really fun. Love the students, sure. too. I, mi- I miss the students. Oh, I'm sure you So I, I've been able to um, have some young people in my life, um, you know, not anything organized, but kind of as the Lord brings people. And the main main function, I was thinking about this, uh, of, of uh, the younger generation for me, is they keep me hip. I mean, they keep teaching me. Uh, I vlog. Oh, wow. <laughs> vlog with a V. Wow. What is... Uh... That means that my 13-year-old granddaughter does most of the work I see. on it. I okay. <laughs> At least to understand where, what the where, word is. Where could I'm, we find I'm it? I'm on YouTube. Okay. <laughs> Carol Shelton on YouTube. I'm there. Awesome. I might be under... Uh, my, my name might be Grandma Cookie. Okay. Grandma Cookie. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I love that. But it is hilarious. It is a, it's a great blog. You, you stay busy. I mean, you stay, you, you still find so much purpose in your life. You Carol. know what's been really fun for me is since I've retired, I've been able to become a little more involved with uh, Christian Assembly. Right, with the women's Yeah, ministry. with the women and stuff. And um, I just am in such admiration of all all that has gone on in my 20-year. Right. I mean, I've always come and, you know, participated, but I haven't been able to uh, be as active in, you know, different ministry because of my working. But um, I am so, what a beautiful staff, mm. great opportunities, terrific discipling, really wonderful. Mm. And I love that, you know, honestly, I'm just one of those that love the fact that we have not moved because I think we occupy uh, a a physical presence in this community. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I told you this, Matt, uh, but years ago, years and years ago, I had this vision before we knew this existed. Uh, and I hate to say it, that sounds so pumped up to say vision, but this picture came to my mm-hmm. mind. That's mm-hmm. better. But I'm sitting in church, and all of a sudden I saw this big geyser come up from the middle of our church, mm. like a like a old faithful, you know, just right. a, a huge. And it went up to the top, and it broke through the top window. Yeah. And it went spilling down, and it went all the way down the streets of Eagle Rock, down Colorado Boulevard. Wow. This flood, and it just was like washing. It just washed all the buildings. It was like flowing out and I thought oh my goodness the Lord is doing this was before Eagle Rock became you know gentrified sure Sure. (laughs) if we if we have I don't know (laughs) but but, or before you know a lot that has happened that has happened right before I think the thing with the Eagle Rock elementary and all that right and before we knew there was an artesian well beneath our yes, church. Yes, that's true. Which it turns out there was. Right. And flooded the church. Yes. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, so I just think, you know, I, I admire that we all have to walk so far to get to church. I, I to tell get people here. all the time when they say, you know, something about our parking, uh-huh. and I wish we uh-huh. could figure out the park. And I say, 
You know, there are a lot of churches in L.A. that have empty parking lots. You're welcome to go (laughs) find a a good parking place somewhere. But the fact that we have to park in the neighborhoods and walk. I know. It's because something's happening here. Something's happening. And then I love that we give so much dough away, that we give so much money away. Well, uh-huh. that's I love that picture of the the guys are not just filling the church but bursting through the roof and flowing yeah. through the streets. Yeah. It reminds me of a question that uh, Tom asked this question probably about twelve years ago. Uh, began to share this question with the staff, uh, and we all began to think about it. That if Christian Assembly up and vanished for some reason. Would the neighborhood notice we were gone? Would they miss us? Or would, are we having that kind of impact, in Mm. other words, on our neighborhood and in our city? That if we left, they would miss us, they would notice that church isn't there anymore. And that, that caused us to seek the Lord and pray for, God, how do we love our city in more and more practical ways. Of course, that led to Kids Hope and and many, many other things. But I love that he has done that with this place. It's a great question. Mm -hmm. And then he brings everybody in on the conversation. That is another thing I like about CA. It's like, well, what do you guys think about this? Oh, yes. You know, there's no, like... This is the this is the way we're gonna do this. <laughs> I know. I'm grateful for that. You know, I I attribute so much of that to Mark, but even going before Mark, uh, stories I hear that was true from the earliest Italian community. That yeah. there was not a kind of star personality. No. It was a, a church family. They helped each other out. That's right. They're, one of their great regrets, by the way, is when we built this building and money was short, was tight. There was a recession in the 70s. In fact, you know, we all of us were, you could ask anybody who was part of the church at that time, but we all helped build that church to what we were able. Sure. And, uh, like, I helped lay carpet. Yeah. <laughs> that terrible carpet right. everybody hated right. forever. <laughs> But, uh, no, everybody worked on the church, but the Italians, their hearts were broken because we had to cut the size of that kitchen. Mm. They envisioned a big, beautiful kitchen and serving lunch after after church, as they had done, you know. So that was a heartbreak uh, for them. We have done quite a bit out of that tiny little kitchen. Um, You know, the... um, the stories too the of the those churches I think I've told you this and uh, but uh, this is tell, told to me by the um, elders or by people who were elders basically they were all older they had been grandkids or been young people that they'd find houses where there weren't neighbors on either side to pray and the houses would literally shake wow. because they you know of the, of the power of, of God the, the presence of the Lord. And and these are reputable people telling these stories, by the way, you know. And they said that several times the fire department got called because it looked like there was fire coming stories. out of the top. And one of my favorite stories uh, was um, this woman, young woman got received Christ at 19 in the morning, and they all came back 
uh, for a Sunday night service. And um, she says, well, I have, um, I have a word in the Spirit. This was like speaking in tongues. Right. So she just had received Jesus in the morning. They said, come, come on up, you know, in Italian. So she's up, and it was this tiny place, you know. But so much was happening. So much was going on. And uh, so she gives her word in, you know, shares her word in a, in a unknown tongue, an unknown language. And they hear this sobbing coming from the back of the church. And they look up, and this is what Mildred Moles described to me. She said, yes, Carol. She said, there was a man there with four locks and a gray serge suit. Whoa. Mm-hmm. And he came struggling, just kind of making his way, just weeping profusely. Meaning that he was so an Orthodox deeply touched. Jew. He was an Orthodox Jew coming to the front of this little church, and he tells this group that he's a reporter from Palestine. It wasn't Israel at that time. It was just all Palestine. So that they'd heard about this phenomenon going on. And the people were getting healed and all this, and uh, he was here to be a reporter. But this woman had just said in perfect Hebrew that she is speaking to him on behalf of the Messiah, Yeshua, that he knows, that that, uh, God knows that he's been wondering if the Messiah is true, if Jesus is real. And she said, and she said his name in Hebrew, he is. Isn't and the amazing? guy received the Isn't Savior, the Messiah. Wow. And that is part of the warp and woof of this church. Oh, yes. Well, we're getting ready to start a series on the Holy Spirit and after Easter in just a few weeks. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm praying that. God would teach us yet again to put ourselves in the, in the flow of the Spirit and to receive more of the Holy Spirit. And who knows what God might do. You know, one of the things that I really have appreciated in the reading that I've been doing of late is Francis of Nutt, who was a priest, said that um, he was prayed for, you know, to receive the Spirit. But he... Being, you know, here he's, he's a minister of God, right? And and Agnes Sanford, who you spoke of earlier, came and said, you know, would it be right if I prayed for you? And he said, yes. And she said, I, you know, you have the Holy Spirit in you if you have received Christ. But I would just like to pray that the Lord would, Jesus would release the gifts that God has given you release who he's made you to be. So it was like another aspect of release. Right. And he, you know, he he felt this genuine release within his heart and he said they all just laughed. You know, it wasn't hysterical, you know, uh, uncontrollable, but the, just joy. the joy because it it had impacted him. Wonderful. The other thing too real quickly, Matt, is um as we, you know, as we discuss the Holy Spirit and who He is as part of the, and the and the different gifts of this that uh, that He distributes, that Jesus distributes to us, um, 
it's it's important to be able to practice. Yes. So uh, to be in smaller groups, to be able to pray for each other, and to be able to, you know, somebody said, you know, I think God wants is saying this to you, and to learn how to test the spirit. So for the person to say, you know, oh, thank you, but it doesn't quite feel right to me, or, or let me think about it. You know, so that yes. you can practice being wrong. Right. It's, <laughs> you know, and, and that's that remarkably natural way to experience the Holy Spirit. You're not worried about uh, offending someone because they were trying to show off their how spiritual they yeah. are. Or no, we're just we're we're genuinely seeking the Lord together, yeah. and we're discerning those mm-hmm. things together. I love that. Yeah. Carol, it is always such a joy to talk with you. I <laughs> wish you, we could man. talk for another. Uh, we got hour. heaven, honey. Oh, I wish we could talk for another hour. Um, <laughs> So thankful for the gift that you are. Thank you, to, to Matt. this local church and to me personally. So uh, thanks for this. You're very welcome, Matt. My delight. Carol, like so many of us, started out in life believing she knew what she wanted out of life, what she wanted to do with life, what it would look like, what it meant to be a woman, what it meant to be a mother, what it meant to be a wife. It wasn't until she came to the willingness to surrender all of those expectations and all of those plans and to say, okay, Jesus, I want what you have for me. I want life your way and that's when she began to experience God and the power of God in ways that she had never imagined were possible what a blessing and amazing gift she has been to the life of our church Christian assembly as well as countless lives that she has touched I'm so grateful to know Carol I'm so grateful that she shared with us how the the gospel of Jesus Christ shaped her story. Thanks for listening. Join me again as we hear another story-shaped life from the life of our church. Every life tells a story. People's stories never get old. Wouldn't it be great to have your story shaped by the greatest story of all.